a privilege and a high honor tonight to join with my family, uh, my family on earth uh, here as we engage and go before our Father. Um, we are so um, blessed to be um, connected and to share in an inheritance together. Uh, though the miles may separate us and maybe even various cultural distinctions uh, may identify uh, us in some ways, but most of all, uh, to know that we are seated at the table, at the family table tonight. We're gathered around the table of the Lord tonight. Um, and that's really what uh, God is doing in our lives and in our ministry. We're based in Ferguson, Missouri which was uh, seven years ago now this summer was the seedbed of uh, civil unrest in our nation. God's hand came upon Ferguson, I believe, to awaken not only uh, America, but to uh, help catapult us into another age. Uh, I believe for seven years we've been in an awakening where the Lord has been exposing iniquity in our hearts at every level from systems and structures in culture to ultimately uh, the, the way we, it's, a, it's been a test of our love. It's been a test of the love of the hearts of men. And so um, this year, the Lord has really uh, had us begin the work of building the table of the Lord to literally set uh, a, a table in the presence of our enemies or those who we perceive as enemies uh, to see God bring a, a family miracle around the table, this place of fellowship and reconciliation. Um, we're, we're raising up uh, some reformation models here on the ground in St. Louis um, from a, a missions base that's connected to sending uh, historically oppressed peoples and particularly African-Americans into the mission of God in the nations of the earth to uh, starting business and entrepreneurship and ways to begin to empower and build economic uh, worth and dignity uh, on the ground, both locally and abroad. So our hands in, are in a few things, but I know my time with you all is, is short tonight. Um, so I'm trusting the Lord to really uh, help guide and direct this as we as we're in this Pentecost moment, this Pentecost hour. Uh, I believe that if there was ever a moment where we need uh, a, a supernatural manifestation and visitation of the Spirit of God on the nations of the earth, it is today. And I want to look again at Acts chapter two, which I'm sure. Uh, there's no way this hasn't been preached on or talked about so many times this week uh, around not only on this call but but around the globe. But when we look at this story, I just I just want to to emphasize a few of the things that that really began to to grip my heart in this moment and are fueling a, a deep desire in me for another. Uh, wave of the baptism of the Holy Spirit and increase in the measure of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And, and so if I'm reading from the New King James Version, but if we were to look at Acts chapter two, where in verse five, we see that there were Jews uh, 
dwelling in Jerusalem from every nation under heaven. And it says that when the sound occurred and the multitude came together and were confused because everyone heard them speak in his own language, they were all amazed and marveled in verse 7 of Acts 2, saying to one another, look, are not all these who speak Galileans? And how is it that we hear each in our own language in which we were born, Parthians and Medes and Elamites, those dwelling in Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt, parts of Libya adjoining Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabs, we hear them speaking in our own tongues the wonderful works of God. And if we just pause right there, we hear them speaking in our own tongues the wonderful works of God. Right now in America, when it comes to the black and the white issue or uh, the way uh, we view other nations or cultures, ethnic groups and people groups. Across the earth, when we look at the history of ethnic and tribal conflicts that have torn nations apart, that uh, have raged for generation, generations and caused desolation, even when we look at Israel and the, the historic uh, conflict between uh, the, 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 the Jewish people in the, the Muslim countries, when we see this, this crisis that has uh, the genesis of which is the fall of man, it's sin, it's man's inhumanity to man, which is ultimately man operating at our base level of functioning. We are sinful at our core and evil at our core. And as a result, it is not natural for us to love or to congregate towards those who are not like us, who don't speak like us, who don't, who aren't raised like us, who don't have the same cultural preferences or values or traditions as us, it is unnatural for us to be loving towards those types of people. Therefore, Jesus comes and he creates within himself one new man we see in Ephesians 2, and he creates a new type of humanity that when I get saved, when I, when I, when I accept the finished work of the cross, and when I step out of my, uh, my flesh nature or who I am in Adam and what I was born with in Adam and all of the cultural expressions and traditions that come with my Adamic nature, who I was in the flesh, Jesus comes and provides a portal and through his own body for me to step through. I step through the blood of Jesus and suddenly I've not necessarily laid down my cultural expression, but I picked up a new primary identity and I've become something that is superior to the natural man and superior to my natural wirings and ways of being. I have become a new man and I've be become a part of a family of sons and daughters who have an inheritance in one another, both in the spirit and in the natural. And so what, what we see here in this passage is that 
they were all speaking in their own native cultural tongues. Those who were not of one ethno ethnos or ethnicity, ethnic group, were speaking in the language of an ethnicity or a culture that was not their own. And in the midst of what we could see in 2020, an election season where suddenly on social media, both national, uh, both, both domestically here in America and globally, there was conversation and conflict around uh, the political election year and around uh, the justice conversation and around the race and culture conversation. And it was like, no matter what we would say to one another, it was almost impossible to completely understand or hear one another. In other words, we could have forums, we could have panel discussions, we could write eloquent uh, uh, long novel novels or, or, or blog posts or whatever it may be, read the most eloquent and well-thought, well-researched articles, and no matter what our best efforts to understand the other, the person who does not look like us, no matter what our best efforts were, it was almost like nothing could bring us into a place of hearing, of empathy, of feeling, and of understanding. And what's profound to me about this moment in Acts 2 in the upper room is that you had a people who in their natural mind had no, uh, no, no proclivity towards one another. They had no leaning towards one another or understanding one another's culture. But in a moment, the Holy Spirit comes and breaks through the boundaries and not only gives them the ability to understand, but to speak one another's language. And it says in verse 12, so they were all amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, whatever could this mean? If we were in church right now, I would have you look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, what does this mean? What this meant is that suddenly the finished work of the cross, where God says, I am going to change your, your DNA. I am going to change your genotype and your phenotype. I am going to change your very nature. Behold, what is old has passed away and, and all things have become new. So therefore, 2 Corinthians 5, we can regard no one according to the flesh. What it meant was God had finished the work of creating one new man and creating a family on the cross. And he said, wait here, because now that you have a family and you have an inheritance and you have a, a citizenship with me in heavenly places, not, not, not earthly places, no longer will you function according to the precepts and the, 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 the order and the definitions of man on the earth realm. Now I have seated, with, seated you with me in heavenly places places far above the powers and the principalities and even the, the historic pains of what you've experienced in your earthly journey. And now I'm going to give you the language of your of your place of residence. Now that you, you become a citizen of the kingdom of heaven and you have an inheritance with the Jews and you have an inheritance with Jesus in the saints, uh, or in, 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 in the promise, God says, now I am going to give you the supernatural ability to understand one another and speak each other's language, because now you are part of one family. And the language of the family of the kingdom is far superior to the language of the earth. But if we're to be honest, Many of us are still speaking in Adamic language. 
We are still speaking about the other, whether it's the other political uh, party or the other uh, uh, ethnic identity or the other cultural expression. Maybe you don't like the way that a certain group of people worship. You can't get down. You can't go to church with these people because it's not fitting your cultural tradition and expression. Well, the power of the Holy Spirit has an answer for that. And if we were to look at Acts chapter 10, in Acts chapter 10, we see <clears throat> this profound another profound example of the Holy Spirit coming upon uh, Cornelius. And Cornelius, it says in Acts chapter 10, was a centurion of the Italian regiment. So he's a Roman centurion, or the equivalent today of a, a police officer. Now, it says he was a devout man who feared God and who gave alms generously to the people and prayed to God always. So this man has some measure of the fear of the Lord. But basically, one day he sees an angel coming to him saying his name. And when he sees it, he's afraid. He says, what is it, Lord? And basically, the angel comes to him and essentially tells him to invite uh, invite Simon Peter to come or, 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 or invite uh, uh, Peter to come and to preach at his house. Now, you have to understand, this guy has the status of, of, of being a Roman citizen. He has the authority of being a Roman centurion, and he's going to invite a Jewish man to his house. For one, that did not make cultural sense. It didn't make sense for that to happen, but it took, he already had a fear of the Lord, but because of that though, it took something higher. It took an angel to come to convince him. I'm not saying he wouldn't have done it otherwise, but in this context, we look and we see that God sent an angel. I believe it was because God knew that there were several things that were, that were culturally unacceptable for him in his position of power to invite someone like Peter to his home. But if we look further, Peter goes up on the housetop to pray and Peter has a vision. In verse 11 of Acts chapter 10, he sees heaven open and he sees this sheet bound at the four corners descending to the earth. And it says there were all kinds of animals and a voice comes to him and says, rise, Peter, kill and eat. But Peter says, not so, Lord, for I have never eaten anything common or unclean. And then a voice spoke to him again the second time. He said, what God has cleansed, you must not call common. And this was done three times. And we know that when the Lord speaks something three times, he's really after something, right? He's emphasizing something. But in this passage of scripture, not only did it take the person in the position of power to have a, a supernatural encounter with the Lord for him to be obedient as it relates to engaging in the place of cultural division, but it also took a supernatural encounter for Peter, who was of the, the Hebrew people who had lived under Roman oppression, who were seeking an overthrow from and a, and a liberation and a deliverance from uh, the current governmental system. And for Peter to go to Cornelius, the Roman centurion's house, it took something from heaven. Heaven had to open 
open for him. And then God had to confront his cultural norms. Well, God, we, we're Jewish. We don't eat that kind of stuff. I have never defiled myself like that. God, these people are unclean. We're holy. They're not. How can I go? And God says, what I've called clean, how dare you call unclean? And it's amazing that God in this, in this context releases the, 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 the spirit of God to open heaven and give an encounter that begins to confront the cultural norms, the cultural traditions, and the cultural preferences. But Peter said in verse 14, I've never eaten anything common or unclean. God speaks to him at three times. And then when Peter finally does arrive at Cornelius's house, as Peter was coming in, of course, Cornelius meets him, falls down and worships, begins to worship Peter. Peter says, stand up, I'm just a man. You can imagine that Cornelius is trembling under the weight of the power of God because he's had an encounter with an angel. So this guy must be pretty important. But Peter sets the focus on Jesus, sets the focus on God. And he says, you know, Peter says, you know how unlawful it is for a Jewish man to keep company with or go to one of another ethnicity, nation. But God has shown me that I should not call any man common or unclean. Therefore, I came without objection as soon as I was sent for. And Peter goes on, and this is, this is powerful. This is powerful. Peter goes on and, and, and commends uh, uh, Cornelius, your prayer has been heard. And, and Peter opens his mouth and begins to, 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 to declare that there is no partiality in God. In verse 34, in truth, I perceive that God shows no partiality, but in every ethnicity, every ethnic group who fears him and who and works righteousness is accepted by him. And this is this is powerful that Peter goes on and he preaches this passage to us. But I'm here to say tonight that uh, uh, that there was something supernatural. The emphasis is there something from heaven had to break in on Cornelius and break in on Peter to bring them into a, a place of revelatory encounter that would literally give them the understanding in maturity that there is no partiality in him, that God is not a Republican or a Democrat. God is not a black man or a white man. God is not a, a, a male or a female. God is not uh, uh, trapped by the trappings by which we define and try to, to classify men or, or, or humanity. There's no partiality in him, but he is one who works righteousness in us, who makes us the righteousness of God, brings us into his family, and gives us a shared inheritance together in one another. Now, this sounds maybe really elementary. Maybe you're hoping for some deep, um, you know, super uh, prophetic unpacking of, of something in some sort of in ethereal realm. But the reality is we have not matured in our understanding of this. If we had our church, our expression of love on the earth would look radically different than it does. 
And we can pray for revival, we can pray for renewal, but the very thing that we pray, that we're praying for, the very thing that we longed for uh, uh, of a fresh visitation and outpouring of the Holy Spirit, it's happened throughout history over and over. Even looking at Azusa Street and looking at how the color line was washed away in the blood. And almost every time the thing that has grieved the Holy Spirit and shut down the reality of the love of God growing in our hearts, which then uh, compels us to be reformers in society, to transform uh, that, that the righteousness of God on the inside of us will begin to manifest in our cities, in our, in our neighborhoods, in our nations, in the systems, in the structures of the world. It has been a lack of the beauty, the revelation of the beauty of God that exist in one another and the lack of the revelation of the inheritance that we share in one another. Brothers and sisters, I'm here to tell you tonight that we cannot lay hold of the beauty of God until we can lay hold of the beauty of God within one another. I'm here to tell you this is not just about Jew and Gentile. It's not just about black and white. It's not just about Arab and Jew. I'm here to tell you this is about the beauty of God in the nations. And we cannot see, we cannot see him without being able to embrace uh, um, the expression of his of his image, the Imago Dei, the beauty of the glory of God as expressed in the people groups in the nations of the earth. And if the knowledge of the glory of God will cover the earth as the waters cover the sea, he's not going to do that in just one, one moment of, of divine supernatural outpouring where it's just the ethereal realm meets the, the temporal and, and, and celestial beings are walking in our midst and healing and miracles are, 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 are breaking out. No, it is the love of God poured out and established in us that we would be rooted and grounded in love, that together with all the saints, we would be able to grasp the width the length, the depth, the height of the love of God, and that we would be able to embrace his beauty as expressed through the sound of freedom and through the sound of redemption and through the song of love that, that proceeds out of a, of a united bride, out of, a, out of the one new man singing salvation song. So tonight, <clears throat> my prayer in the last five to six minutes that we have together. My prayer tonight is that God would release a supernatural grace upon us. That in this Pentecost, as, as the, the, the rumblings and the groanings of, of civil unrest and as, as the grippings of war are manifesting across the earth in various ways and various measures, I believe that this promise, I believe that this manifestation to come and to settle the identity issues and to settle the disputes, we have a prophetic promise in Isaiah 2. God says that he will settle the disputes of the nations, of the ethnic groups, of the ethnic groups, of the ethnos on his holy mountain. He is going to do it. He says that the things, the very weapons that we've used to fight one another will be turned into pruning hooks and plowshares, that God's going to actually use 
uh, and, and redeem the pain of our histories and our stories to, to bring in uh, sheaves of, of harvest and joy that that which we've sown in tears we will reap in joy and I'm here to tell you that there is a there is a sound there is there is generational weeping and wailing and mourning that have been sown in the earth and sown in the heavens and the Lord desires to release that oil that comes from the tree with leaves for the healing of the ethnic groups that's in the center of the city of God in the book of Revelation. God is crushing those wheat leaves together to come and heal our hearts. And, and so I believe that God wants to release in this hour, if we'll stand with, with the desire of his heart, he is the desire of the ethnos, the desire of the nations. I believe that God desires to release a healing a uh, 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 revival, a healing uh, uh, anointing on the nations, on the people groups like we've never seen. I'm talking about a mature expression that begins to deal with the desolations of many generations. And this is, this is, uh, I believe, part of the grace of the shalom, the peacemaking anointing that Matthew 5 talks about. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the sons of God, that there is a governmental uh, uh, manifestation of the peace of God that God wants to release among us as we begin to press into this. So I'm just going to pray now. Father, I pray Amen. that you would release the Holy Spirit without measure upon us, Lord, to come and settle the issues in our heart. God, I pray for the release even now, even tonight, of angelic visitation like you did for Cornelius. And God, that you would open the heavens like you did for Peter over each of our hearts and our lives and let us see what you see. God, would you release the power of the Holy Spirit, a fresh baptism to, to speak the language, the languages of men that we do not understand. God, to feel, Lord, what we've not felt before. God, to, to empathize with your heart, God, to, 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 to groan for what you groan for, Lord, in the nations of the earth. God, to feel your heart, God, to desire what you desire, Lord, in your multi-ethnic, multicultural, beautiful bride, God, we're asking, God, that you would lose something, unlock something in our hearts tonight, we pray. God, and we trust you. We trust you and we thank you for taking us up into a high place and bringing us to your holy mountain that we might be taught your ways. We might be taught how to become your righteousness and to become your hands and feet and, and to, 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 to walk, Lord, in that governmental place of righteousness with justice in every sphere and sector of society. Lord, with people who, 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 who we don't understand, God, we're asking now for divine grace for something from heaven, for you to open our eyes, Jesus. And we trust you. We thank you for, for coming and settling the disputes of in our own hearts tonight, giving us a supernatural love. In Jesus' name.